from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Note to programmer, note to self, I need a four-hour show. I cannot get this kind of information. It's like trying to shove a watermelon uh, through a, uh, an orange uh, juice strainer. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much information. Uh, and we just have to... Con- it's like orange concentrate. That's how dense the information of this program is. Uh, we have assembled a stellar panel, and I'll tell you why. Uh, two days ago... Oh, well, technically, I guess about three days ago now, we we passed the 43rd anniversary of the Apollo 11 lunar landing. Uh, of course, uh, we're, we're all familiar with uh, Neil Armstrong's immortal words as he descended down onto the lunar surface, one st- small step from uh, man, one giant leap for mankind, and of course, uh, Buzz Aldrin. Uh, there with him and, uh, Michael Collins, astronaut Michael Collins, uh, orbiting uh, above as, uh, the other two gentlemen, uh, walked on the lunar uh, surface for about 15 hours. But hold on now, hold on, Nelly. There are a lot of people, uh, somewhere around, uh, 15% of the public in the United States, 28%, latest survey, 28% of people in Russia do not believe that we have set foot on the on the on the on the moon, not in July of 1969, and uh, you know, not in the five subsequent journeys uh, to uh, the uh, the moon. It was a hoax, they claim, and we're going to find out why. Uh, joining me in studio, he's no stranger to the program. Uh, he is, of course, our resident media scientist. He's a playwright. He's worked as a university lecturer, film, radio, and television producer, researcher, director. He initially trained under Marshall McLuhan at the University of Toronto, former president of the Marshall McLuhan Center on Global Communications, and then director of the Center for Media Sciences. And uh, he's also uh, heavily involved in uh, JFK assassination research, uh, new Mr. Penn Jones, Jr., uh, as well as worked with um, working with May Brussel and uh, Sherman Skolnick, the great American Judge Buster, and it's always a pleasure to have Nelson Thal on the Conspiracy Show. Hello, Nelson. Hello, Richard. Exciting times. It's great to be back. I've been listening to you, and the shows have just been fantastic. Thank you, Nelson. And uh, uh, seated to my right is another playwright and researcher, writer, James Joyce Scholar. She's produced the popular internet radio show Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel since 2008, and is currently on hiatus working as a media scientist in the global theater Ms. Jane Steele. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. It's absolutely great to be back, Richard. Great to have you. And on the line, joining us on the line is a, um, a professor emeritus of uh, economics at Texas A&M University, College Station, Texas. He's a former chief economist at the U.S. Department of Labor in 2001 and 2002. He also served as the director of the Criminal Justice Center and senior fellow at the National Center for Policy Analysis, headquartered in Dallas, Texas, Morgan Reynolds. Morgan, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good evening, Richard. It's great to be with you. My word. I mean, people are sitting back listening to all of these titles and and, and uh, um, lofty positions that you have all held and, and thinking, well, why are these three here to talk about the lunar landing? It's it's. Let me ask you first, Morgan. I mean, you're coming at this from a kind of an interesting background. A professor emeritus of economics, uh, you know, at the at the chief economist at the Labor Department, uh, uh, director of the Criminal Justice Center. How did you get interested in in uh, this theory that the lunar landing was a complete fraud? 
it wasn't till uh, <clears throat> 9/11. <clears throat> my interest in 9/11 uh, led me to uh, review so many things, and the the, the moon hoax is uh, clearly one of the major inside uh, jobs in in our history. You know, man's allegedly greatest technological achievement is a fraud, and uh, I hope we can review some of the specific evidence. So I, I uh, am an economist, a PhD economist. I spent my career at that, but uh, also have always had an interest in policy. So I came at this uh, when I left the Bush-Cheney administration, and yes, I was a political appointee in 2000 and. Uh, one and two, and I left in January of '03. And uh, I, like many other savvy people, knew the whole Iraq invasion was a put-up job. And I asked myself, now that I was free of uh, government duties and professorial duties, uh, what else would they lie about it? Because this is such a huge lie uh, that there's WMD and Saddam Hussein is our new Hitler. And I said, oh, oh. 9-11, because I, I can remember. And then, of course, once you open your mind, once you take the red pill, as Morpheus uh, gave us a choice in the Matrix, between yes. the red pill and the blue pill, you no longer want to stay in the world of delusion and uh, start looking, uh, grubbing around it uh, for hard facts. And thank heavens we have uh, the Internet as a great resource to uh, search any topic. Nelson Thal, let me throw this question to you because you know full well that for those people who believe that the lunar landing in 1969 and all the subsequent, you know, the five subsequent lunar landings were, were staged and ho- was a complete hoax, uh, that has become sort of the, the whipping boy. That has become the straw man argument for those people who don't believe in any conspiracy. I've always said that if, you know, believing that everything is a conspiracy is as ridiculous as believing that nothing is a conspiracy. But the lunar landing hoax theory in particular has become sort of the straw man argument to, to, to argue against all conspiracies. Oh, you believe in the lunar landing hoax? Well, you must be a complete nutter. Why is it, as a media scientist, you think people have I mean, let's face it, the majority of people believe we landed on the moon mm-hmm. six times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard for people to believe that this was a hoax? Well, I guess we should start off and say we're standing on the shoulders of giants like John F. Kennedy and McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan's Secret Society speeches and Jim Garrison and Mae Brussel and Penn Jones, Sherman Skolnick. And uh, we know that uh, if you can... Goebbels talked about the big lie. It's it's not difficult making the big lie stick. And uh, if they can get them to believe in the single bullet theory, then we can get them to believe in anything as long as we pump it through the major news media and prevent dialogue on the media. There's no dialogue and therefore there's no thinking or a comprehensive awareness produced. And so without, there's just debate. And as, as Jacques Ellul said in his book, Propaganda, where dialogue ends, propaganda begins. Ms. Steele, I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be playing, I guess, the, the skeptic here. And I'm certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm very open-minded about this. I mean, I have another theory, which is an entirely different show. I, I believe we, we landed on the, loon, the moon in 1969, but my theory is, I believe that we were there much earlier than that. However, 
Um, let's put that aside for a moment. Talk to me about, give me the, let's start, uh, you launch us in this discussion. The first piece of evidence that you think is important to, to, to analyze and, and, and that you believe supports the fact that the lunar landing was a hoax or staged. What do you, what would you offer up to someone who, who, who would look at you and say, I don't believe it? I think there could be three or four different things that I could offer up. To Let's start you. with one and then we'll, one? we'll, okay. When you look at the video clip itself and the movie that they did on the moon, um, there are no stars. Now, where are the stars? Um, also, if they were going to go to the moon, there is so much radiation in the Van Allen belt that it would literally kill them. They would be killed by the radiation itself. Let's start with the, 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 the Van Allen belt, uh, the Van Allen radiation. Uh, first of all, let me get Morgan in here. Explain what the, the, the Van Allen belt radiation is all about. Well, it's a, it's a trap for radiation. There's an inner belt and an outer belt, um, which traps uh, all this lethal radiation out there. And, uh, well, not all of it, but uh, the r- radiation is uh, common throughout uh, our Earth, etc. But uh, we are in a, a kind of a cocoon, <clears throat> which is uh, via the magnetic field that surrounds Earth and uh, the atmosphere itself. And uh, it's interesting with the radiation, uh, the Van Allen belt, uh, uh, Van Allen insisted it went out 64,000 miles total, whereas NASA says it's 20,000 or 24,000, and uh, um, space travelers would have uh, gone through there in a few hours so as to minimize this lethality. But in a way, there's too much attention to the Van Allen belt. That's only one of the uh, radiation problems, because then you've got what used to be called sun flares and now called solar particle events. That's a huge problem. Um, And then you've got galactic cosmic radiation coming into our solar system from all over the place. So space, despite these portrayals as a a manageable problem, we don't have the technology today to... to, uh, in fact, you know, even in suborbit now with the International Space Station, uh, there is a, a big problem, and uh, this is at a height of uh, between 205 and 255 miles high, but people are up there for uh, 70 days uh, doing tours that are two or three months, and they are absorbing um, uh, excessive amounts of radiation, you know, beyond uh, government standards. So. Uh, Jane mentioned this, and of course that's the number one technological problem that has not uh, been anywhere near solved. You've got to have uh, some kind of a shield, uh, be it lead, you know, it's uh, 32 feet of water, 32 feet of earth uh, yeah, on the moon if you were going to protect yourself. There's no atmosphere, no no uh, magnetic field to, to uh, stop radiation. So it's not the so, it's not the Van Allen radiation that we should be concerned about. It's the just galactic ambient radiation. No, all three types. Okay. Uh, uh, and as uh, Jane points out, uh, a lot of this can be lethal. But even 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 if you absorb uh, uh, 50 rem, you know, or, or 100. You're gonna. There's such immediate effects. Uh, the risk of, of televising this is absurd because you'd be nauseous. You'd vomit in your helmet. You'd you'd choke uh, to death. You'd have diarrhea. It, these immediate effects of of a, of a good dose of radiation, and the idea that the uh, you know aluminum, a few centimeters of aluminum, 
and the spacecraft's going to protect you. In fact, it actually diffuses this radiation. Uh, Someone has pointed out that the radiation argument actually might be evidence the astronauts went to the moon because the majority of the Apollo astronauts that have been involved in all of the Apollo missions to leave Earth's orbit, they've all developed early-stage cataracts, which they say was, was caused by radiation exposure to cosmic rays. I haven't heard that. None of them have developed cancer. There's only one um, astronaut who's, who's died, and that was Jim Irwin, and he was, uh, coincidentally, going to uh, interview with Bill Casing, the, the, the number one whistleblower on the moon hoax. Okay, we'll get to the lunar death list uh, in a moment. Morgan Reynolds, Nelson Thal, Jane Steele joining us here on The Conspiracy Show discussing the lunar landing anniversary. Was it staged? You tell me. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. What a panel we have assembled here on The Conspiracy Show. We spare no cost uh, bringing uh, the the very best people to you. We have Morgan Reynolds on the line, and uh, he is... He's a heavyweight, folks. This is a, um, a, a professor emeritus at Ve- of economics at Texas A&M University and uh, a former chief economist at the U.S. Department of Labor, also director of the Criminal Justice Center and senior fellow at the National Center for Policy Analysis, headquartered in Dallas, Texas. He is uh, here to affirm that the lunar landing, which occurred July 20th, 1969, was a complete hoax. And also joining us in studio, media scientist Nelson Thal and a playwright researcher, Ms. Jane Steele, also producer of um, the popular internet uh, radio show Shock Talk with Bloom and Steele. All right. Now, uh, Jane, you mentioned the, the the lack of stars visible. And we've seen all these photographs um, of the uh, the lunar landing. You're saying that there were no, when you look in the background, up into that black Sky. I mean, we saw there were there were uh, images of the Earth. We saw, but no stars. Correct. Well, if I was on the moon, and if we were all on the moon, we would, should have the most amazing panoramic view of the galaxies and the celestial bodies, all of it, the stars. Now, if you look at the videos and the stills that they took on the moon, there's a total absence of stars. It's just a black sky. Where are the stars? What's NASA's excuse for where the stars are? Uh, well, now, here I am playing skeptic again, but I, um, I would imagine that they might argue that um, the lunar landings happen during the lunar daytime, uh, so the stars would be outshone by the sun. Does that make sense, Nelson? Uh, from what I understand, there should be stars, and the reason why they w- didn't show the stars is because then it would be very difficult uh, to be able to... It would be easy for an astronomer on the ground to be able to see that the, that it doesn't line up. But there's other things... I'm sorry, other let than, me just clarify it, that. Okay, I know. I, you other, want to go, let me, let me yeah. clarify what you're saying, because that's an important point. You're saying that if they were trying to recreate yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the, the constellations and so forth, if they weren't exactly precise in doing that, an astronomer watching it say, wait a minute, that star shouldn't be there, it should be over here and so forth, and so they decided just to... Ab- to not include any stars. Yeah, but let me but ask. There's a lot of other. Just let me just say, there's a lot of other photographic evidence that we just to go through. And we will. There's, we yeah. will. We'll get to that. But I want to. I want to follow up on this, sure. um, Morgan. What if, the the argument that uh, the the debunkers are making is that the reason we don't see stars in uh, from uh, from the lunar surface and all these photographs is because 
they landed there during the lunar daytime, so the stars were outshone yeah, by yeah, the that, sun. That's false. All you do is <clears throat> turn your back to the sun, and you should see, because there's no atmosphere on the moon, you, uh, the stars are brilliant, and you see a lot more of them. So, you know, the only reason the sky is blue is because we have an atmosphere. So that's a completely phony argument. And then the uh, Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts insisted they didn't see any stars. Now, we, we know that you see brilliant stars from photos from the space shuttle and the International Space Station, etc., when you're not even, uh, you know, 300 miles out. They are a brilliant display. But if you, on your camera, though, if you, you know, if you're not using the, uh, uh, let's well, say, the manual this, setting, I mean, you can turn a well-lit background into an ink you, black. You just turn your back to the sun, and, okay. and uh, the camera's going to uh, see nothing but the stars, the whole sky. Venus is going to be, uh, be the uh, brightest beside the sun, you know, it's... it's this is just completely ridiculous. Wait a minute, Venus, are we, didn't we have pictures of Venus? Didn't Alan Shepard take some pictures of Venus from the moon? During the <laughs> Apollo 14? Not that I know of. No? Okay. Not that I know. Well, the, the, just a couple of things, Richard. You know, you talk about the cameras. Hasselblads have film in it. Uh, how did they cool these cameras down so that the film wouldn't, wouldn't melt? Um, just to get through all some other... There's no blast evidence right. underneath Even the lamp. You know, because of the radiation, uh, it fogs camera uh, film. It fogs film. Oh, that's an interesting point. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I send my film, well, not anymore, but when we had actual emulsion through the security. about the temperatures on the moon, too. The temperatures are tremendous, and uh, and not only the temperatures, but uh, Dr. uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds knows that uh, when you're in the shadows, the temperature drops tremendously cold, Mm -hmm. and then you get in the sun, and it's it's very very hot back and forth. How did how did the film, how the celluloid film and the cameras work? The blast, there's no blast evidence. They show the. Okay, we'll get to that. Let's just stay with the photographic (laughs) evidence for a minute because there's a lot of stuff to to cover. Let me go back to uh, to Ms. Jane Steele. Um, okay, so we've addressed the, the the radiation. We've talked about the fact that there were no stars in 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 the in the background. Uh, what other evidence would you offer up that the lunar landing was a, was a complete fraud? Well, in the stills and in the videos, you you will notice that there are different sources of light on the astronauts. They seem to be in shadow. They seem to be in light, and they're all over the place. Well, in fact, if they were standing where they were, everything would be lit up in the same way it would be. Here, I mean, yeah, you only have, have one sunlight. light source, right? You'd only have one light source, so why are there so many different shadows? So you're saying the angle and the color of the shadows are inconsistent. Exactly. Which would suggest that artificial lights were used. Yes. And the foreground and the background are all in focus, which suggests front screen projection. But wouldn't they be complicated by reflected light? I mean, the, the lunar surface is, is almost phosphorescent, isn't it? Morgan, let me get Morgan in here. The angle and the color uh, of the shadows. I haven't heard that claim. Um... Uh, this does remind me of the the alleged reflectors to uh, bounce laser uh, beams off uh, the moon, but apparently you can do that without any reflectors. You know that that's one of the claim of the uh, the, the government apologists uh, make that um, that that uh, you know the McDonnell Observatory is uh, pinging lasers uh, laser beams off the moon all the time, but. As far as a reflective surface, I mean, I'm, I went out and looked at the moon tonight. Um, it's highly uh, reflective. It, hmm? It's highly reflective. 
Well, that's the, that's the point. That's yeah. the argument that if you're saying that there's only one source of light, which is the sun, and therefore you should have consistent angle of shadows, they're saying, well, wait a minute, no, the moon's ref- surface is very reflective. Plus, you have you have an uneven ground. You've got uh, you've got the reflection of the lunar dust. You've got the Earth reflecting. My, uh, light. my question really is, why isn't because of the lack of an as- atmosphere? Why isn't the their brilliant sunshine uh, illumination everywhere instead of this rather dingy, um, uh, which is another mark of uh, artificial lighting. But, uh, you know, there isn't enough light on, on, that, on these sets to me. Yeah. On these sets, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> on these sets, yes. Uh, yeah. To me, one of the biggest evidence, two, uh, photographically, the evidence, right. under all the pictures of the lunar lander, there's no evidence of any blast. As this thing was co- supposedly coming down in real life, the Roger rocket firing would scorch the moon's surface and would create craters and blast, evidence of blast. There's no evidence of blast under any of the pictures. Not only that, the ascent stage of the lunar module when they blast it off there's no fire coming out the no engines, visible flame right. and the speed at which they showed it going was just ridiculous M- morgan it, it looked like a flash gordon uh, yeah scene. it did no blast craters okay no no it's true you don't even see any sign of dust scattering nothing and there's, yeah there's no dust on this gold mylar or the uh, landing pads now NASA would say what that the, I guess they throttled very far down during the landing, right? Because the, it's it's not quickly to dis- seller. Oh, so gentle, uh, and, and never been done, by the way. You know this reverse thruster landing, and you're in a vacuum, which makes it even more difficult uh, than uh, on Earth. Of course, Neil Armstrong almost lost his life in the uh, the LM um, simulator. Yeah, you know he he had to uh, eject. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to control this thing. Yeah, and Go ahead, Nelson. Astrobiology, just coincidentally, Astrobiology magazine today came out, uh, yesterday came out with an article in which they quote David Sybeck, who's in charge of the Radiation Belt Storm Probes, R-A-B-S-P. Here's the quote, and uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds, you should pick up on this because this supports everything you're saying. Um, he says... Quote, particles from the radiation belts can penetrate into spacecraft and disrupt electronics, short circuits, or upset memory on computers, unquote. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab a phone call here, if we could. And uh, who do we have here? Is it, um, is it John in Toronto? Is that who we're... Uh, David Gaskin's busy uh, answering the phones in the other room. Who do we have on the line? Is it John? Let's just take a call. Okay, let's say hi to uh, John in Toronto. John, go ahead. You're on the Conspiracy Show. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Well, thank you. You're a photographer, um, I understand. You want to uh, shed some light, no pun intended. Well, yeah, I actually do have some experience with photography extensive. And um, I was just listening to what you guys were talking about with regards to night photography, so on and so forth, and being to and being able to capture... Yeah, no uh, stars in the background. No stars in the background. Mm. Yeah. See, uh, the thing with that is that even the luminescence of the stars without uh, the atmosphere that we're currently in would be so low that if they are, in fact, shooting in lunar daytime and just getting enough exposure to get the astronauts, those stars would be completely gone. You wouldn't be able to see it in the exposure of the shot. All right. Well, then how do we get stars of the night sky here? 
I mean, wouldn't wouldn't they adjust their shutter speed or something if they really wanted? I mean, I would think. Oh yeah, if, if absolutely. I w- they they could and they would, but I'd imagine that with regards to them being um, being on a mission as well as possibly not even being the most adept photographers going up there and being astronauts already. But right. how would how would the film survive the temperatures of the moon? These are 1969 Hasselblad film with uh, celluloid film cameras at 150 degrees Fahrenheit and higher. How, how does how, how would that survive? Well, I mean, uh, I guess the other question then would be, how do our astronauts survive on uh, the Mir space station? Well, they don't. They don't go outside. Um, they they're in the cocoon, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they they, they they're don't not go outside d- extensively, but they do go outside. Well, they're not going outside with such flimsy uh, cameras on, uh, mounted well, on their well, the chest. The Allen belt doesn't start for a thousand miles uh, above their Earth's surface. So. All right, I appreciate John, the, the photographer, checking in, adding to the uh, conversation. Uh, let's um, let's go back to uh, to Ms. Jane Steele. Okay, so we've talked about. Uh, I mean, I mean, we're skimming the surface here, but keep in mind yeah. we have an hour, so. Uh, We've talked about the radiation. We've talked about, and these are the more popular, you know, uh, pieces of evidence that have been pointed out. We, we've talked about the the, uh, the the no stars in the in the background or the foreground. What what other? And we've talked about the the the, the absence of a crater blast when the the LEM module came down and when it took off. What else? What else would you point to and say that doesn't look right? That doesn't meet the sniff test. Well, I think the actual movement of the astronauts, the way they're moving, uh, the motion that they have in the videos. It, it isn't right. It, it isn't the way they would actually move if they were on the moon in that type of um, gravity. I think it's one-sixth of our yes, gravity. right. So I think that comes to um, actually how were these videos or these stills actually created because it just... It, it isn't right. That's you, just not how they would move at all. So, in other words, uh, if they're if they're only weighing one sixth their actual weight, they shouldn't be moving around in slow motion. In slow motion, exactly. Yeah. Well, how should they be moving, Morgan? Hey, th- this whole thing about gravity is an interesting thing because uh, retired pilot John Lear turned me onto this book by uh, one Pari Spolter, and uh, it's called the Gravitational Force of the Sun. And uh, she, in a, in a, and I'm not saying I, I, I know or understand, but one of the uh, implications of her uh, re- revolutionary look at gravity is that the moon's uh, gravity would be about two-thirds of the Earth. And I notice in the book, uh, you, uh, my, my t- other two panelists are probably familiar with this book by uh, Bennett and Percy called Dark Moon. And on, uh, let's see, what page that is, 142, uh, the authors write, uh, even more so since NASA and the Soviet Union had both experienced disturbing gravitational anomalies during lunar orbits involving their respective unmanned craft. I would like to know a lot more about that. All right. <laughs> because because if, there, if the moon really is only one-sixth of ours, that would be one uh, way, one engineering problem to uh, master in terms of orbiting and possibly okay. even landing. we got the music coming up here. We'll uh, break away back with more of our panel on the lunar landing hoax when The Conspiracy Show returns. My name is Richard Serrett. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To get to the truth... 
Call Richard now at 416-360-0740. All right, I got to you know, I've laid my 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 cards on the table. On this one I'm 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 skeptical. I'm willing to entertain just about any uh, alternative viewpoint on the program and uh, and discuss it rigorously. This one, although, I, I have to say, there's some pretty compelling evidence on both sides. One of the things that's always intrigued me, though, about the lunar landing uh, or lunar landings was, here we got six of them all happening during the first presidential administration of Richard Nixon. All six happened in that first four years, and yet... No other leader of any other state ever claimed to have landed astronauts on the moon, even though you would assume the mechanical means to do so would have become progressively easier after almost 40 years of steady technological development. Nobody else ever landed a a man on the moon. Or claimed to. Or claimed to, which is interesting. But my question to you, um, uh, Morgan, all of you really is, I would think that at the, the height of the Cold War... Had Nixon's administration faked the moon landing, the Soviets would have been happy to uh, to argue for a hoax as some sort of a propaganda victory. Don't you? Uh, I mean, if well, it was a hoax... there's various answers to that. Uh, one is just lay back and, and let those guys collapse because everybody knows you have a stake in this. But more, more uh, likely is, remember, they're both using Nazi rocket scientists to a, a large extent. Uh, the Russians arguably uh, had, uh, they certainly had more uh, reliable and um, heavier rocket launchers. They, they, I think they had better engineers, we, and we were way, way behind. And uh, they're, they're probably, given this alternating months, I do this, you do that, I think there was more likely cooperation uh, between the, the, the teams. So it's one of these, uh, there's a lot of uh, best of enemies going on here, right? I need you, for, for my Pentagon, I need to have a, a, a threat. You know, we, we even make it up in the, in the Muslim world, which is really fantastic. But uh, the Soviet Union at least kind of uh, play, looks like the villain and, and uh, is a much better candidate. So uh, we don't really know. There, there's a, uh, a lot of things that are going on here. I like it uh, to go back to the narrower evidence rather than this uh, big picture thing, you know. I understand. No, that's a good point. It's just, that's something that's yeah. always sort of uh, um, stuck in my craw about this. I mean, uh, uh, here's, I guess, the, the million-dollar question, and again, keeping in mind our time constraints. How was it done? Uh, I mean, was this, in fact... Um, uh, told to us in Capricorn uh, One that uh, that movie in 1978 is that how they did it on a on a in the desert on a soundstage somewhere or how 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 was this thing pulled off Morgan? Let me make a uh, before we go there how they did it because uh, it's it's easier to prove that they faked it okay than exactly how they did it. Uh, one a couple more comments about. Jack White, the photo analyst, points out in his time and motion study how impossible all these uh, NASA photos are. All these well-composed beauties, uh, these guys had all these other duties, it couldn't have happened. And and the lunar lander really bothers me, the lunar module, which is anybody with any common sense, look at this thing and start laughing. You know, it's just a, a flimsy joke. And when you think about it, never landed before, you know, and the throttle, it's a question whether it really had a throttle or not, but let's suppose it did. And, 
you, you know the film where they come in and Neil Armstrong, everything's smooth. There's no noise. There's there's no heat problem, even though this thing is uh, uh, very close to them, uh, burning at 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. There's no shake, rattle, and roll, you know. Right, they got right. this noise, vibration, harshness thing just mastered. There's no hovering like a helicopter would. And, uh, you know, NASA stands for never a straight answer. There, there is no party line. Remember, they were going to um, commission a book by James Oberg. I think the reason they backed out of it because it would be incoherent. There, there's no way they can come out. So they rely on these uh, bloggers and and who knows a handful maybe getting a payment or whatever. But the, uh, everywhere you look, uh, it's clear that th- this thing is a is a complete fake. And remember, there's no independent observers or press. There's no Jamie McIntyre stumbling into this thing and on CNN and saying. Uh, by my close-up inspection, there's no sign of any uh, large engine parts or airplane or whatever, right? They're, they have it completely within their control. But it's such a complicated problem, they can't really fake it. Especially now, it's great that four decades later, there's uh, renewed interest in this. Now, how did they do it? Yeah, like Capricorn 1. Uh, I'm. If you look at these sets... <laughs> Okay, let me just jump in here, Morgan, because I've got the music coming up. I got a breakaway. We'll we'll discuss when we come back. Nelson Thal, Jane Steele, Morgan Reynolds, the lunar landing hoax on the conspiracy show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett. And we have our lunar landing hoax uh, panel assembled here. Ms. Jane Steele. Uh, producer, playwright, and uh, media scientist Nelson Thal. And on the line uh, from the United States, we have Dr. Morgan Reynolds. And uh, let me uh, let me throw this one out to Nelson and uh, and also to uh, to Jane. Pick this up. Uh, we, we wanted to get into a discussion of how this was pulled off. If this was in fact a, a hoax, if it was staged, where did they do it? Who did it? Who was responsible? Yeah, I I have to go along with uh, the theory that's been put forward by Jay Widener, and that is that I think that Stanley Kubrick was very much involved. I think it was using front screen projection. I think they used MK Ultra mind control on these guys. I think that they used Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I think these guys using implants and drugs, MK Ultra, actually were put in a simulator and believed, actually believed that they were on the moon this is not difficult to do you understanding the sophisticated mk ultra project and i think that ultimately was done so that they could siphon off the real big money uh for putting together a, a particle beam weapons space command system we must remember walter dornberger who was sentenced to hang at uh, nuremberg is the one who chose von braun von braun and Nord dornberger worked together for hitler and uh Von Dornberger, of course, was very much connected to the JFK assassination. Michael Payne worked for Dornberger. The British sent a letter to the Americans saying, execute him, just as he was asked. Okay. So there's, you, you mentioned got Kubrick. some day, you've got guys there. You mentioned who, Kubrick. Yeah. I think that the, a, 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 a plausible argument could be made that Kubrick was brought in to, to film it on a soundstage because there was so much on the line here, they couldn't, you know, had they ever never attempted to to you know to to um, to, to beam a, a television image from the moon back to Earth that way, 
Uh, I'm guessing that just as a as a safeguard, Nixon or NASA administration didn't want to risk that image not getting to the American public. This was their showcase, their triumphant uh, you know victory over the Soviets in the space race. So they had Kubrick film that actually in a soundstage. That's what Americans saw. Saw, but the actual landing may have taken place. Well, actually. Um Stanley Kubrick was um, first approached in the early 60s um, after he made the movie Dr. Strangelove because he had some phenomenal, um, what would you call it, uh, special effects in yeah. recreating um, some of the military planes. And they wouldn't let him take any pictures of those planes for his movie. So he did these amazing special effects. So he was approached to do the moon landing uh, videos at that time, but also to do the 2001 Space Odyssey. Right. He did that at the same time. So that started in the early 60s, 63, 64, 65, until it was uh, produced in 1968. And that was when we first saw it. And, of course, in that movie, you can see the slow-motion scenes to get us accustomed to what the videos would look like in the slow-motion moves. So he created 2001 Space Odyssey in order to prepare us for the lunar landing hoax. Yes, and, and, to test, and to test the techniques on the audience so that a year later when he d- did the real moon hoax, that he would be able to see how well they did. It was a test case. It was a testing the audience, see if it would work, the front screen projection. And if you look at the Space Odyssey and view it and, and side by side the pictures from the moon, <laughs> it's uncanny. It's the same, it's the same process. Now let me ask uh, Morgan. I don't. I don't agree with with that. We we don't really have the evidence to uh, pin this on uh, Kubrick. <laughs> one, one thing that bothers me is that he was such a perfectionist. He wouldn't let this <laughs> mediocre stuff out the door. I don't think. You think uh, it was? And, but do you think it was? It was definitely done in a sound stage studio. Do you? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the giveaways. There's so many giveaways, but one is in the foreground. There's a, a, a fair. There's quite a bit of detail. You know, little rocks and stuff. Yeah. And in the background, it is all smooth. Yeah. And you can almost see the line between the uh, you know the, the the sandy set and and the and the backdrop. Right. But if you look it, at them. And those those hills don't match uh, the aerial photography of, of the moon surface. You know, it's much craggier uh, than, than the, the background. There are also so claims that I, I don't think I don't think it's Kubrick. It, 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 it's somebody not near as good. Uh-huh. Let me ask you this: This is whenever there's a a claim of some sort, you know, that somebody conspired. Uh, to pull something off. Uh, people say, well, how can you keep something like that secret? We know, you know, in the, we had the, it, with NASA, you had 400,000 people working over 10 years on the Apollo project. How are you going to keep 400,000 oh, that, people? that's easy. You know, N- NASA, let's recognize, is, is a civilian front for a military operation. If you're really competing with the Soviets, life and death and nuclear war, uh, war and so on, uh, that, that's very easy to establish. And then all the major contractors are the usual suspects, okay? <laughs> yeah. Boeing and Grumman and all these people, they're all ex, uh, mostly ex-military and, uh, you know, it's a revolving door. And everybody is used to secrecy. Yeah. When, when they say, how can they, and further, of course, there's the compartmentalization. It's a need to know, you know, only a, a, a couple of hundred people at the top really uh, get the whole picture. 
And uh, the, there were uh, engineers are quoted as saying, you know, I, I always had the feeling that this was fake. There wasn't enough concern with quality and really solving engineering problems, okay? In other words, the simulation was agreed early. You know, there's no way we can do this by the end of the, uh, the, the, the engineering problems are insurmountable. Do you know how they supposedly defecated on the Apollo moon missions? They had a plastic bag with tape. <laughs> they'd tape it to the and then they'd inject a bactericide in there, and then they'd take the, t- you know, in weightless, everything. Is That's just, a bit of a farmer's fix-it, as we used to call it, yeah. Huh? <laughs> All right, Nelson, you wanted uh, to uh, jump uh, in here. Dr. Uh, Dr. Reynolds, do you think they ever did send unmanned a craft to land on the moon? I'd, oh, yes, I do, yes. Um uh, in, in other words, that's within our uh, technical capability. So, uh, 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 however, we do need this uh, reservation always because they're controlling what images we see and, and, and the like. You know, it's like this uh, new, um, uh, well, since what, 09, the, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, and they keep promising, we're going to show you pictures of uh the, the the residual of the demand and it's just a joke, you know. Yeah. But but haven't amateur te- can an amateur uh, astronomer with a decent telescope see the uh, some of the artifacts that were left behind on the moon? Haven't they reported not seeing? from Earth? No, no, and yeah, not know, only- the Hubble the Hubble telescope was in what uh, low Earth orbit, and that uh, that. that that could, I think, do it, but uh, and certainly these these uh, probes orbiting um, the moon could, but they aren't giving it to us because I don't think it's there. And uh, if they did know, it now, <laughs> if they did it now, they we know that they falsify these forensics since the JFK yeah. assassination. They've got Oswald's palm print on the gun that they took in the morgue. I mean, you can't believe anything anymore. From that's, them. That's, that's right. A good, that's Unless a good point. you establish it independently, you've got to uh, tread most carefully. So what's going to happen in a few years? I mean, China says they're close. They're close to landing uh, someone on the moon. So are they going to have to fake it, too, or what's going to happen? The the, the radiation problem is insurmountable by current technology. You'd have to have some kind of, quote, remember when you were kids, invisible shield. Right, right. (laughs) And what are the Americans... Sorry, because you can't get the lead out. You know, you, you can't get the lead up in the air and, and orbiting. It's just uh, you need a, a, a you know six feet of lead uh, to. to uh, and the Soviets always insisted we won't uh, make any attempt to go to the moon unless we can uh, guarantee virtually the the safety of our cosmonauts. Whereas we were very ca- uh, casual about it. You know, it's not a problem. Well, it's not a problem because you're not really going. Miss Steele, why did they fake the lunar landing? What was the what was the motive? Any ideas? I mean, this thing cost them what thirty billion dollars. Why would they? Then it's one hundred and thirty-five today. Today's dollars. I think possibly, you know, I think if you look back to who was in charge of NASA, and we're going to say Werner von Braun. And um, he was part of the Operation Paperclip when they took the Nazi scientists and they took them out of Germany and mm-hmm. brought them to America, to the U.S. of A. And um, I think they've infiltrated. We've got the Nazi uh, Fourth Reich here now. And, of course, they would have taken that money. And I think, as Nelson said, they used it for other weaponry. 
for other things. You know, they took all that money, and of course, they certainly didn't use it, did they? Not they didn't get to the moon. No, no. Uh, so thirty billion dollars of free money, they they funneled that into some other program. Well, well building sure. particle satellite. I mean, building the speci- the system they have now, which is they're able to use particle beams from from uh, satellites, and they're able to use the Hubble spacecraft as a mirror and shoot a, a powerful laser from the ground, particle beam from the ground, reflected off the laser back down to Earth, and 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 do damage. It's a weapon. They built a a, a space weapons with it is I wanna, my belief. I want to work in one quick call. John in Amsterdam, New York. Hello, John. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. I'm amazed with your program. I doubt that they went because they came down and we saw these photos uh, taken that we're all skeptical about. But we've never seen, at least I haven't seen, any photographic evidence of that lunar landing. Uh, is it leaves the orbit and hooks up to return to the Earth. I don't think they had the technology to to uh I agree with that. First of all, yeah, you've got to, and they're computers, it's just a joke, you know. you you got to catch a uh, an orbiter, the command module that's going 4,000 miles an hour, okay? <laughs> you need to have, there's no way a human being piloting this can, can uh, pull this okay. off. Okay. All right. John in Amsterdam, New York, thank you for the call. Morgan Reynolds, uh, leave us with a website. Yes, nomoregames.net. Nomoregames.net. Morgan, a great pleasure. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Thanks, Morgan. Ms. Jane Steele, okay. a delight as always. Nelson Thal, pleasure. All yeah, right. it's been great. Thank you. All right, listen, uh, next week on the program, Joseph Farrell, Babylon's Banksters, The Alchemy of Deep Physics, High Finance, and Ancient Religion. Did we get to the moon? Well, perhaps the answer lies in the book of Psalms. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.